You are listening to the sermon audio from Renaissance Church. We pray that this message equips you to be formed into the image of Christ as you grow in your love of God, and it fuels you to love your neighbor as yourself. We are convinced that while this sermon audio is beneficial, this should only be supplemental and not replace local church involvement. The pastor God has put over your life or your commitment to gather in person with other believers to make more disciples for the fame of Jesus. Peace be with you. As we continue in our Exodus series today, Pastor Rob will be preaching from chapters 37 and 38, and we'll be reading um, through the lens of Exodus 35, 4 through 19, and then 38, 21 through 31. You can follow along in our house-to-house guide since this is in two different sections. Um, But hear the word of the Lord this morning from Exodus. Chapter 35, verses 4 through 19. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ramskins and goatskins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils, and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps, and the oil for the light, and the altar of incense with its poles and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles, and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. And then from Exodus 38, verses 21 through 31. These are the records of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony, as they were recorded at the commandment of Moses. The responsibility of the Levites, under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord commanded Moses. And with him was Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, an engraver and designer and embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the gold that was used for the work in all the construction of the sanctuary The gold from the offering was 29 talents and 730 shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary. The silver from those of the congregation who were recorded was 100 talents and 1,775 shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary. A bakah a head, that is half a shekel, by the shekel of the sanctuary. For everyone who was listed in the records from 20 years old and upward, for 603,550 men. The hundred talents of silver were for casting the bases of the sanctuary and the bases of the veil. A hundred bases for the hundred talents, a talent a base. 
and of the 1,775 shekels, he made hooks for the pillars and overlaid their capitals and made fillets for them. The bronze that was offered was 70 talents and 2,400 shekels. With it, he made the bases for the entrance of the tent of meeting, the bronze altar and the bronze grating for it, and all the utensils of the altar, the bases around the court and the bases of the gate of the court, all the pegs of the tabernacle and all the pegs around the court. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, that it is living and active. Lord, um, that these words that were written long ago, originally for the people of Israel, um, to hear your word and to obey are the same for us today. Um, Lord, would you give us ears to hear and hearts to understand um, as we hear from Pastor Rob through Exodus this morning. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome. Uh, we're continuing uh, this week uh, in our final couple weeks of the book of Exodus. Last last week, we talked about the importance of every single person working from their rest in the finished work of Christ Jesus. And when a church does that, we will then cultivate a community of people with willing hands and generous heart where everybody plays their part. And we, we saw that in the way that the Lord stirred the hearts of everybody in chapters uh, 35 and 36. And everyone whose heart stirred them, chapter 35, verse 21, and spirit moved him, both men and women, all were of a willing heart. We see that in verse 22 and then down in 26, that everyone would use their skill from a willing heart. And then all the way down to verse 29, they did it as a free will offering to the Lord. We saw that last week. And now this week, we see them carrying out all the designs of this tabernacle. And the same is true for the New Testament Christian. Many of us have been stirred by the Spirit. Our hearts have been awakened by the gospel of Jesus Christ, where we desire to play a part in building the kingdom of God. We desire to be discipled by others and commit to discipling others. But what is the design? What is the architectural blueprint we are to follow? Not just for God's traveling tabernacle, but for his church that travels through the centuries? Well, we'll take a, some time to answer those questions today as we look at not only the, the design and layout of the tabernacle in the Old Testament, but as we look at the design and layout of the church, the people of God in the New Testament. And in both instances, what I believe we will dig and discover is that God wants to build a dwelling place. And that dwelling place is built by the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, according to the unchanging Word of God. God's dwelling place is built by the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, according to the unchanging Word of God. And we're going to see that in 
in two building projects. First, Israel building the tabernacle according to the word of the Lord. And second, the apostles, Jesus' disciples, building the church according to the word of God. And so if you're ready, I'd invite you uh, to keep your Bibles open to Exodus 37 and 38 so you can follow along with me. And if you're ready to dive in, let's, let's go through that first point. Israel building the tabernacle according to the word. Now, if you remember a se- several weeks back, we are in chapters 25 to 31. Moses received the blueprints from God on Mount Sinai. And everything in that tabernacle was was meant to represent Eden in the heavenly realm before sin came into the world. And now we see that tabernacle being followed to the T, being built by the people of God. We see from the colors used in chapters 26, look at those colors. There's blue, gold, and purple. Blue represents the heavenly realm. Gold represents the purity and the holiness of God. The purple represents royalty and the kingship of God. The ark in chapter 37 verses 1 through 9 represent God's throne and footstool in the holies of holies. The table that held the 12 loaves of the bread of the presence in verses 10 through 16 in chapter 37 is a representation of God feasting with his people. And that lampstand, it looks exactly like a tree. From verses 17 to 27, you can conjure up this picture of the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. And then you have this altar of incense from verses 25 to 29, giving off this pleasing aroma. That's God's pleasure in his creation, me and you and our pleasure in our creator. But then you have some bad news because of what happened. We have the altar and the bronze basin of water in chapter 38, verses 1 through 8. It shows of our need for purification because God is holy and we are not. And yet God still wants to dwell with us, so he's made a way to make himself known. And then you have this huge courtyard to symbolize God's courtroom as the ultimate judge who pours out his judgment on innocent lambs so the guilty me and you might be forgiven now why would moses go to great lengths to retell the exact building specs of this traveling tabernacle i mean tabernacle i mean he could have just stopped right in chapter 35 the lord god commanded all these things And the people did them, but he didn't. He kept spilling more ink on the page. Why spend another five chapters retelling all of these instructions? I think what Moses is doing is he is displaying what can happen when not only the people of God are united and motivated by the spirit of God, but what could happen when the people of God are united around the word of God. We see this in chapter 38, verses 21 to 22, where Moses writes, These are the records of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony, 
as they were recorded at the commandment, hear words, commandment of Moses, and the responsibility of the Levites under the direction, there's more commands, the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest, Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord commanded, hear the word of the Lord there, that the Lord commanded Moses. They built it according to the word of the Lord. Now, I wonder, have, have any of you guys ever built those amazing Lego sets before? Now, I used to love Legos. My kids love Legos now, and they did the same thing that I did when I was younger. I tried to start building the glorious Lego masterpiece without the instructions. Or, or may, maybe... You know somebody, or if you watched a, a parent growing up, trying to fix something or replace something in the house without reading the instructions. What happens? It goes miserably. More time is spent on it, and less time is spent with people. But that's not what's going on here. They're following the instructions. Like, I try to get my daughter to follow the instructions of her Lego set. And as a result, there's this glorious satisfaction of being in the presence of a job well done. But here for the Israelites, it's in the presence of their God. Everything they built is according to the words of God from Exodus 25 to 31. Moses reminds us of that. We just heard it read in chapter 35, verse 4, that the Lord commanded that when we watch them build in chapters 35 all the way to the end of 39, we can go back and compare their lives with 25 to 31. And for the Christian today, we're called to build our whole lives on the whole counsel of God from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Mm -hmm. Abby Cunningham, who's, who's on my sermon prep team, a member of, of this church, she, she asked this question in our sermon prep team time. She said, I think for us, we should be asking ourselves constantly, are we living according to the word so that somebody can actually go back to the Bible and compare my life to it? And then say, yeah, Abby is living according to the word. Can somebody compare our lives with the word of God? I mean, if, you're, if your parents compared, if people who voted differently than you this past week compared, if your neighbors who moved your street chair compared, if your spouse, your, your boss, your coworkers, your kids went back to the word of God, how would your life compare to it? Is it according to the word? And what's amazing is that Israel wasn't just doing the right things. They were doing the right things with the right motivation, willing and generous hearts. Mm -hmm. And we can't miss this other aspect. Everything they used to build the tabernacle was gifted to them by God. Everything that, they, that we see in chapter 38 from verses 24 to 31, everything from the gold to the bronze to the linens, everything was gifted to them 
by God through the Egyptians as they exited and exodused Egypt. They didn't receive any of that on their own. What they needed to build was already gifted to them. The goods, the instruction, the spirit of God. But one more thing, and we can't miss this. Do you know what that one more thing is? A diverse group of men and women with a diverse group of skill sets. It's not just the professionals, the tribe of Levi. It's not just the priests who are building this. No, in 38 verse 21, we see Moses calling out the tribe of Dan. We see him calling out the tribe of Judah. And the rest of the tribes were there. And remember, when they came out of Egypt, there is a mixed multitude of people, meaning not just Israelites. We have this diverse group of people, not just men either. Moses goes to great extent to call out the women that were involved in this building project. They played a huge role. It wasn't just a certain age group. It was all generations, both genders, all tribes united around the word of the Lord. Do you see what God does by his spirit and by his word? He unites a diverse group of people with one common mission. To build a dwelling place of God so God can be made known and they can make known their God to the nations. God's dwelling place is built by the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, according to the unchanging Word of God. That's what it was like building the temple. And point two, building the church according to the word is no different. Did you know that God has always built his creation by and through his word? That life itself is built by God's unchanging word? Nothing that was created was created except through the very words of God. God spoke and creation began. God spoke, and the creature responded. But when life is not done according to the word of God, do not eat of the tree of good and evil. Life doesn't come as a result, but death when we don't live according to the word of God. Relational Death, we see Adam and Eve naked and ashamed to be around one another. Their spiritual death, they hid from their creator, their God. And eventually, physical death, because Adam and Eve are great, 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 great grandparents. They died. Wages of sin has always been death. But then God did not stay silent. It's through his word where he, we, we see him restoring his relationship with Israel. He wants to dwell with them, tabernacle amongst them. It was through his word in ages past that he kept on speaking, not just through the prophet Moses, but other prophets as well, to remind them of his mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness. 
And it's in these last days, it's through his word, where he is spoken to us by his son, Jesus Christ, who is the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of his nature. The apostle John tells us who this word is. John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Do you see what John is saying? The word was in the beginning. The word was with God. The word was God. It was through this word that God created everything. And the word became flesh, truly God, truly human, truly grace, truly truth, truly glorious. And he's come to dwell, Mm -hmm. literally tabernacle amongst us. How has he done that? Jesus has put on flesh. Do you know him? He has moved into the neighborhood. When Jesus was on earth, everything that Jesus did from the miracles to his prayers to his healings was done according to the word. His teaching was according to the word. His following was according to the word of God. And he fulfilled the law and prophets, which was the word of God. Kevin DeYoung reminds us in his book, Taking God at His Word, about Jesus, it is impossible to revere the scriptures more deeply or affirm them more completely than Jesus did. Jesus submitted his will to the scriptures, committed his brain to studying the scriptures, and he humbled his heart to obey the scriptures. Jesus did even something more startling. He claimed that his words were the words You were to build your life upon. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus here is equating his words with God's words. To build our life upon his word. According to whose word do you build your life upon? Jesus is saying, if you build your life on any other word 
but mine. If you ignore my words, then your life will wash away. And the question is when? Jesus is saying when suffering hits. When every wind of trials blow. When hardships rain down and pound on the foundation of the house. When the waves of suffering hits. It's built on any other words than Jesus. It'll fall away and great will be the fall. And if the church is built through people, for the people are the church. The church is not a building. The church is a people. We have to ask ourselves, whose words are we building our lives upon? Mm -hmm. Is it a politician's words? Are they the words spoken by a dear friend or a family member? Those could be words to shame you or words to affirm you? Are they the words of a superior at work, the words of a, of a mentor, the words of this religious list of shoulds, oughts, and coulds that someone has told you to upkeep? Do you know what's true of all of those classes of words? They change. You want to know why? Because the people change who utter those words. You know what else is true of those words? They don't last. Because those people, they don't last. We are finite. God is infinite. They don't last. It's, it's, it's kind of like Ikea furniture. Right? I mean, you guys know Ikea, right? It's the store where you go, give them money so that you can build your own furniture. They know how to make it look good on the outside, right? To please every person, almost every person who comes through their, their doors. But like another pastor said in the city, my, my friend Frank he said, building your life on anything other than Jesus is like building Ikea furniture. It promises a good look. It has a million steps. It's frustrating. And it does not last. This is what it's like trying to live up to the religious systems that people politicians and platforms attempt to promise you with their words. And even when you achieve their standard, you know what you have to keep doing? You have to keep working. Because if you stop working, it'll all come crumbling down because the foundation is built on what you do. And if you stop working, the foundation will come loose. This religious system is exhausting. It's wearying. That's why many of you are tired right now. See, whether you built your life around the words of relationships, the words of religion, of money, 
power, your individuality. You've either witnessed it crumble in the past or it's currently crumbling right now and you're just tired of trying to hold it all up. But what did the apostles, what did Jesus' disciples and their disciples and their disciples and their disciples build their lives and build the church upon? Thankfully, Luke wrote a volume two. He didn't write just the gospel of Luke, but he wrote the Acts of the Apostles. Luke recounts the story for us again and again. Acts 6, 7, and the, can you say it with me? And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And then in Acts 12, 24, but the, say it with me, word of God increased and multiplied. And then in Acts 13, 48 to 49, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. How is the church built? It's built through disciples who build their lives upon the word of God. And when the word of God multiplies, the church and the people of God multiply, empowered by the spirit of God, according to the word of God. But we have to ask this question, what word were they preaching? Mm -hmm. What word were they preaching? Mm -hmm. It was the same word that saved them and the same word that is continuing to build them. The law didn't build them. The religious system didn't build them. What built them was a person. The word of God made flesh. And his name is Jesus who offers mercy and grace and forgiveness at the expense of his own life. You see, the word that they were spreading was the word that Christ Jesus told them to build their lives upon. It's the words of grace. It's the words where we tell others and we remind ourselves that we are not rejected by God, but we are accepted by God because Christ was rejected on the cross so that we can be accepted by grace through faith alone. The word that they were spreading wasn't the word of do. It was the word of done. We don't do in order to be loved by God. Jesus's work has been done for us and therefore we are now loved by God. The word that they were spreading wasn't get to work. Mm -hmm. The word that they were spreading was it is finished. The work of salvation is finished at the cross of Christ and in his empty tomb. And the word that they were preaching wasn't God will love you according to your ability to keep his word. It's no, God already loves you because of Jesus' ability to keep the word for us on our behalf. Don't you see? The word become flesh, became Jesus. The word did not become a religious system. The word didn't become a theological checklist. The word did not become an ecstatic experience. No, the word of God became flesh, a loving, embodied existence in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And Jesus lived his life according to the word. But Jesus also died according to the word 
to fulfill the law and prophets. On our behalf, Isaiah 53 says this of the Messiah, 400 years before Christ enters the scene. Surely he has borne our griefs and he carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us, you and me, peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Oh, we have like sheep gone astray. We have turned each to his own way. We don't follow the ways of the Lord, but we have gone our own ways. And the Lord has laid not on us, but has laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. He's put Christ to grief. When his soul made this offering for our guilt, our waywardness, he shall see his offspring prolong his days and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied mm -hmm. by his knowledge the righteous one my servant made many to be accounted as righteous and he shall bear the iniquities don't you see Jesus has bore our waywardness from his from the word so that he can make a way back to God for us. How has he done this? He bore our disobedience so that we get credit for his obedience. Mm -hmm. Don't you see, when you put your faith in Jesus, you are seen as if you obeyed God's law. You are seen as if you lived your entire life according to the word because that's what Christ has done. And he's got the credit for what you deserve, death on a cross. But you get the credit for what he deserves, life everlasting, robes of righteousness, clothed in God's love and approval. See, this forgiveness, this love, it cannot be achieved by us. It can only be received. And when we receive this gift from God, the spirit of the living God changes our heart of stones to heart of flesh where we don't focus on behavior modification. No, we are transformed as we behold Christ and he transforms us from one degree of glory to another. He's transformed us so that we, not just us individually, but we collectively can see the church built up where in 1 Peter, he calls us that when we come to him, that by his spirit, you know what we're built into? A holy house. We're each living stones. We're rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God. We are living stones, a spiritual house being built into a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices to God through Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I'm laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone, an honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. The stone on which we build, the foundation on which we see the church build is Christ, the one who was rejected so that we can be accepted. And nothing can stop this church from being built when it's built upon the foundation of the word of God. We're not just united in ethereal ascent to the word of God. 
We're not just united in hearing the word of God on Sundays, but we're united in being doers of this word as well because we believe that this word is a living word, an active word, a breathing word that gives us everything we need. Like the Israelites had everything they needed to build the tabernacle, we now have everything we need today. We have the word of God. We're empowered by the spirit of God. We have the people of God to do this work. And now like the furnishings in the temple, we are to be like that lampstand. We are to be the light of the world, Jesus said. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it underneath a basket, but they put it on a stand. So that it gives light to all in the house. So then he says, let your light shine before your others and let your good works what are those good works the works that the word command us to do let those that light shine before others so that they may give glory to our father who is in heaven we also are to be the presence of god to others for we have god's holy spirit living inside of us we are to be that pleasing aroma of not just truth but gracious truth to those around us and just as the temple was meant to point back to Eden, the church is meant to point forward to the new heavens and new earth. That when we are built upon the word of God, we will look like that future heavenly reality. We will be a multi-everything, multi-tribe, multi-language, multi-economic, multi both genders of all spectrums united around not just the word but who the word reveals to us jesus oh let this be true of our church that when we come together we are a people who speak these words to one another who listen to these words around one another and live our lives according to this word, not so that we can be accepted by God, but because we've already been accepted because Jesus kept that word perfectly on our behalf. Church, we are God's dwelling place. We are built by the people of God, empowered by the spirit of God, according to the unchanging word of God. Let us keep building. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. Praise you how your word is so intricately knit together. We praise you that you touch me. We praise you.